0: Um, we're here this morning to welcome our guests from the Kwaza Center in Spring, South Africa. Um, I'm Abbott McCartney. I've had the very good fortune to be at Kwasa several times. So I've been given, Holly's been doing all the heavy lifting this week. So thanks so much, Holly, for all your work. As you know, we pray in our prayers for the people every Sunday for the well being and the safety of Kwaza. So for some of you who have not been here, but many looking out the audience, many of you have been there. Quasa is simply a school with an odd name in a faraway place with nameless teachers, students, and administrators. Well, today is the day of, of redeemed, rep redemption. Because we actually have a chance to see the faces and names of the people at Quaza. So we're so happy this morning to welcome the founder, the dreamer, the inspirer, the visionary, of the closet center. Sharon, thanks so much for coming, traveling all this way to, to greet us here at St. John's. Thanks for coming.
1: Thank you so much, Abbott, and thank you for your welcome. And uh, Good morning, everybody. Good morning. good morning. As time has gone on, from, we arrived on Monday, Monday evening, and I was excited and I was emotional, but As time has progressed through this week and I've met so many people, so many more people, more and more, as the days have gone on, who have got such a special place in my heart, I've got more and more emotional. So if I burst into tears just now, (laughs) don't be surprised. Um, Even just being up at the altar this morning in the nine o'clock service looking out and seeing your faces made me so emotional. It's wonderful being back. It really is just amazing being able to connect again with so many very special people. And I just want you to know that there is no place on earth where I'd rather be right now, but here in Washington with you. In preparing for today's forum, I found it quite difficult because in years gone by, uh, it was still new. It was new to me. We were developing and, you know, sort of knew where to pick up the story and to continue. Uh, I'm just so aware now that so many of you have been to Kwasa, to South Africa, at different stages of our development, so your history with us is not necessarily all the same. Have I made the lights go out? I should have known. (laughs) She was so much trouble when she spent all those (laughs) months. But I love her to bits. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to do my best to give you an overall picture of where we are, what the development has been, but also something of our beginnings. So let me start with the emblem, the badge, which you see up on the screen at the moment. Am I in the way? Oh, I've moved it. I'm good at doing all sorts of things. There we go, thank you. Um, so, this was a development a couple of years ago when we became a proper school and it was no longer regarded as a, a project any longer. Let me start with the name. You got a quick glimpse of the what is going to be the next Oh, that slide Um, that's a slide showing Vinette who actually came the last time I I came with me and I brought that or put that slide there so that we could be reminded of the context um, around which I felt moved to start making a difference in the lives of people Vinette has always her mother has always lived in the squatter camp called Daha Fontaine, which is in the municipal area of Springs and was also in the <coughs> parish of St Peter and St Paul, of which I was a rector. But even just that little glimpse will give you an idea. There are no m- brick and mortar buildings. Um, we call them shacks. I think similar to your shanties. Any conceivable. Uh, building material would be used to make a home for people. I have no idea any longer how many people live in that settlement because rather than our informal settlements decreasing, which was sort of the promise given by the president in our new democracy, that by the year 2020 there wouldn't be no longer any informal settlements. The opposite has been true. Existing ones have actually grown and in fact new informal settlements seem to pop up informally every day, everywhere, almost on a daily basis. No roads, no waterborne sewerage, uh, no water in homes, so early in the morning, late at evening residents, of which there are, to my knowledge and calculation at the moment, between fifteen and 20,000 people now. They have to go to one of eight I always make the same mistake, I want to say taps. You say faucets, right? I'm slowly learning American. Faucets. Um, really dire poverty present. The unemployment rate, which at the moment is about 39% for the country, in an area like Dagafontein or Dagafontein, the settlement, the percentage, of course, Well, percentage of number of people who are unemployed is um, also on the escalation. People are not getting richer, more wealthy, more comfortable in fact um, given our economic climate at the moment and I know it's a worldwide phenomenon but it's hitting us particularly hard in South Africa and particularly in areas like this. So we're not seeing less poverty, we're not having to deal with fewer children who need education, and the kind of education we actually are facing more. So when the school started, those of you who've been on board for a number of years, you would remember I initially tried to start a primary school, had no money whatsoever, and then very quickly, even in St. John's uh, journey with us early on in that uh, journey, Decided to revert or to go back to grassroots and instead of a primary school, start with a pre primary school. So we began with a pre primary school um, and then in 2014, because of the development which I'll talk about just now, we we're able to start building a primary school and we needed sort of an, identifi- uh, an identity for education department, for others, rather than just being the Huffington School or that little red school. So we settled on Kwasa College, and that word Kwasa, rather than being a word which is easily translatable, um, actually describes a phenomenon. Where we are in Gauteng, lots in summer, of violent thunderstorms, where clouds will build up gets gray, it gets black, there's lightning, thunder, usually lots of rain. Quite terrifying and um, frightening. But then slowly the rain stops falling, the thunder and lightning cease, and there's usually a moment when the clouds break open and the sun starts to shine through. It's a beautiful, to a similar degree, we have it all over the world, but Somehow, our part of Africa, it's beautiful. And the sun shines through. And our indigenous people say at that point, kwa sa. And it means the storm is past. You know, there's light again. There's hope again. And I just felt that that term was, uh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, It's so descriptive of what I wanted Kwasa to be, which is a place of where hope is given and there's light shining into lives where otherwise there's very little hope, very little light, very little, sometimes, most times, even joy. So we became Kwasa College because college is a term which can stretch over what we were hoping to be, which was ECD, uh, Early Childhood Development Center, or pre-primary children from three to six years old, plus a prep school, elementary school, primary school, as we call it, children up to about 13 years of age. For us, that ends in grade seven and then The dream and the vision, which I think I've shared with most of you who've come to Kwasan, that one day we would also have a high school. So the initial vision, dream, that we would be able to embrace children from age 3 up to 18, thereabouts, when they are ready to go to high school, and from then on hopefully to tertiary education. I'll explain why we're not building the high school just now. So We now have a pre-primary school, which is housed not in the ramshackle old buildings which we used to have, but there are some new classrooms built in the pre-primary school and we have a head of the pre-primary school who's pictured above. Those of you who've been to Kwasa before would all remember um, the late Joel Elgar, who was head of the pre-primary school, she was my organist at St. Peter and St. Paul, and she finally heard God calling. She said she never knew whether it was God or me, Um, but it was actually both of us, (laughs) causing her to resign from her position as a teacher in a regular government school, public school, and join us at Kwasa. She retired um, some years ago, and instead of leaving Kwasa, she became administrator for the whole school. And then it was, um, apart from the day that my husband died, I think it was the bit saddest day in my life when one of the children called me. I was in a meeting, couldn't get the words out, and so I walked into the office and she had had a, and we still don't know whether it was an aneurysm or a massive heart attack, but she literally died on the job between her desk and the photocopier. Um, But I continue to give thanks to God for the amazing foundation that she laid in the pre-primary school. Give thanks for her friendship because she really aligned herself with my vision and was such a support um, in everything that we developed. But now Sonia is head of the pre-primary school. I put her photo there because You all have, if you haven't, you can meet. Benita, maybe you need to pop up quickly, stand up for us, and... um. (laughs) Benita, as I always say of her, I'll have to stop doing it one of these days, but if she moves too much, she squeaks. She's still so new, but she's been with us since the beginning of the year, and I thank God for her and her input, her presence with us. I really delight in what you offer us, Benita. Um, our pre-primary school, we still have, and the number varies for a number of reasons, it can vary from one day to the next, when we ask to take in additional children, or for some reason or other, a child might leave us, parents move away, or parents die and they have to now go and live with their granny somewhere else, or... but between 125 and 130 children in the pre-primary school. Um, Macy is a teacher who's been with us forever. One of the first, I started to try and also do and be a drill of all trades, you know, teach children, um, offer skills training to the community, get community into some form of um, income generation. And one of the things that I was doing was, there was a sewing project down at um, Kwasa, and Macy became part of that sewing project. Um, but very soon, I saw in her and three other, two other teachers just such a love for children that I asked whether they wouldn't like to do their teaching uh, training. And so Macy was one of those teachers who is now a qualified ECD trainer, teacher, and that's her with a couple of the children in our ECD. I um, just wanted to give you a bit of a history of this building in particular, because those of you who've been over the years would have, or would me- remember this building. And I think it is descriptive of a lot of what has happened at Kwasa. Um, there was really nothing good that I found on that piece of land on which I started to squat originally. Nothing that was complete, nothing that was whole, nothing that was beautiful. Um, You had to look very hard sometimes to find the potential or the latent beauty hiding behind its its exterior. And one of those buildings was this one, which Originally when the mine operated, and remember mining in South Africa took a real dip in most cases ceased altogether in about the 1970s, um, and the mining houses simply pulled out, leaving buildings. Uh, sometimes they would uh, raise the buildings, in other words, you know, if not burn them, just knock them over. But in the case of Kwasa, they left those old buildings there. This was. A general store on the mine property originally under the mining years, but the minute mining ceased, uh, people who didn't have houses and many people from the settlement, which is still there, obviously their, you know, family, uh, what do we call them, ancestors, not quite, but other generations, moved in and there were between three and four hundred people living in that building when I started to use the other small buildings on that Kwasa property, just making their homes informally inside the building, uh, brewing alcohol, um, shabings as we call them, prostitutes, unnumbered, uh, crime. It was really a den of iniquity, which our little children had to pass every day in coming to what was Kwasa then. So that's what it started looking like. Um, just very quickly, a number of people said, Sharon, just just knock it down, just knock it down. But when I asked quantity surveyors, a couple of them said, no, we can do something with it. So we started doing something with it not so long ago, and I'll show you the results as we go. Um, that's when we'd taken the roof off. Uh, I said to the residents of that building, that they were welcome to take what was left of the old corrugated iron roof, Um, and Kwasa gave each family unit six gun poles, and with those materials gave them an opportunity to start building their own home. It still remained really a shack, but on our property, on a part that we weren't using. So that building then became uh, potentially our new school hall, it took four years to get it to the state, which I'll show you just now. Um, Because obviously I needed to get money, um, builders, but it was transformed eventually. So there is part of the new hall building. Um, As you look at it now, the hall part, where that uh, scrap thing was is on the other side, and on this side, facing you, are what used to be old mine offices connected to that building, but they now house. Uh, um, how do I get this pointer to work? It's the second button. It's just from right here. That one. Thank you. Um, that goes through. We've got an admin office there. That is the hall going all the way along the back here. Here is Benita's office, and we've got a glorified uh, sick room, sort of a clinic, where a sister makes herself available to come and help when help is needed with children or staff. Uh, she does all the family planning for the staff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, over a the, computer room, we now have a computer room with 36 computers. So at long last, our children in the primary school are able to learn computer science. And right up top there, oops, that's where I live. I mean, not live-live, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my office. So I have a bird's eye view of the entire property school, which is great. Um, you will be able to see sort of over there. Sorry, you can't really see it, it's the chapel. So that that facility is now wonderful because we've got a hall which can accommodate our entire school population, all the children and the staff. And we also have a large foyer which lends itself to, you know, sort of gatherings after whatever. And um, my hope is that in the future, we'll be able to rent out the facility which we do have to people who want to hold functions and so make or turn it into a, a kind of a income generating resource. I thought those of you from St. John's who are on this particular group might enjoy seeing yourselves. <laughs> um, I cannot I cannot stress sufficiently how life-giving our relationship with St. John's has been over the 19 years that we have been in this relationship with one another. Your visits to us, at first so regular, until COVID happened, um, were life-giving for our staff and children to meet with you and have you interact with them. It just gave them a perspective on life, which otherwise they would not have had. And of course, my journeys with representatives from the school, on a regular basis was in turn life-giving to me. Um, Louis, on his second visit to the school, I think, with some of the people, when our bishop sprinkled holy water over these funny little buildings declaring us a school, um, Luis's words were to me, Sharon St. John's is in this for the long haul. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go back to those words of his and reassure myself, reassure myself that despite funders who'd fallen away, despite, you know, all the everything that has happened, which caused me deeply at times to think we just cannot continue. We're going to have to close the school. That was like a beacon to me. St. John's is there. St. John's are going to be there. And um, it's... Therefore, been wonderful to our your groups, to us. Um, another building which has been restored was this building. On the mine property, there was an, a rectangular building which um, was used by the Methodist Church. There was an African um, lay preacher from the Methodist Church who held services during the mining years. And it was in the most terrible state. It was ramshackle. It, it was awful. And one of my very early visits to North Carolina, and I'm sure most of you know that sprouting from our relationship with you, with St. John's, was a relationship with Chapel of the Cross in Chapel Hill in North Carolina. Um, Instrumental in that, Louis and Lew, new knew people there. And, and on one visit after leaving St. John's, going down to Chapel of the Cross, one gentleman in particular asked me, Was there a project that I really wanted to get going? And I said, Well, not one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at that, I, I outlined the plight um, regarding this building, which I saw potentially as a place of worship. Um, as I said, it had been just more a rectangular building, didn't really look like a church inside. and that gentleman gave fifty thousand dollars for the restoration of that and I'm now so proud and happy to say that we have a chapel on site. that um, was stayed. With... Wow. So that's the outside. We didn't change the footprint, but I managed to oops so there is encourage the builder to be uh, brave and actually attempt a bell tower. He'd never built a bell tower before. (laughs) And then that's the chapel inside. Uh, It never had a sanctuary, so what we did build on was a sanctuary, as you can see, and we've got a very large chancel and a vestry on the side, and a corresponding sort of small chapel on the other side. Um, It's, and obviously, because of my priestly function at the school, it's just wonderful to have a place of worship, a place where children can experience the love of God in an almost tangible way, um, where children can be reminded that each one of them is unique, and each one of them has a special place in the heart of God, and that each one of them has got this potential which God wants them to achieve, and they're not going to achieve if they don't take this schooling seriously. Okay. Um, Baptisms. And then we're on to the classrooms. Uh, in 2014, we started our first grade one class, in other words, the primary school, and we'd have to build classrooms to house grade one. Because we are under by limestone, one of the building requirements is that we have to put down a double slab um, as a foundation. Can't just build single classrooms. So we built two classrooms for the next two years, grade one or grade one and what became grade two. And we now have enough classrooms to see us through to next year when we're going to have to start building again. The primary school, as I say, we started just with one grade one in 2014, building one class at a time with classrooms to match. So in 2020, we had completed the primary school with one class per grade uh, we then had a slight hiatus gap, which we're actually still having because of COVID, and moving straight on to a high school was just not possible, mainly financial reasons, but for other reasons too, uh, it just, it's just not possible even now. So, uh, we've got seven <coughs> classes all the way up to grade seven, completing our primary school, and. For two years now, we've been adding an additional class in grade one. So we've got two grade ones, this year two grade twos, and then grade three, grade four, grade five, but next year grade twos and ones will move up and until we eventually have two classes per grade in the high school. I'll give you details right at the end about number of staff, etc. So those are some of our primary school children. It was a school day. But they weren't in school uniform because they were celebrating Entrepreneurs Day as part of the curriculum. They have to get together in groups and then think of some money-making activity. (laughs) Um, I can tell you that I have a stream, I don't know how long at my door, you know, asking, am I going to come and buy? (laughs) How much money am I going to spend? Uh, But it is very educational. They have lots of fun. The other children can attend. And those are just some of our primary school teachers, of children, outside some of our buildings. Same thing. Uh, There's a smaller class, a younger class. They were just moving from um, the computer center back to their class or whatever. Um, Those of you who've been know the little uniform that is ours now. It's distinctive. I visited my family in Dubai many years ago and loved the design of their little tunics and I got back to South Africa and with great help I was able to find someone who actually has created a fabric which is unique. There is no other school that uses that particular fabric um, and the little girls wear tunics like that in summer. Uh, this is quite a good picture to be reminded of the old school. Um, oh, 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 oh. The pre-primary school, you can see back behind there. and and then these children are standing in front of the playground, which is basically for the pre-primary school as well. So, we are two schools on one campus, but and they're not physically divided, but we do try most of the time to keep them separated for obvious reasons. The Primary schools, children are big, 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 big and our little ones are very fragile and little. Um, food has remained an issue. Um, during the COVID period, I was feeding between 250 to 300 families every week on donations that I managed to glean. Um, as I say, COVID hit us very hard. Many people lost their, jo- their jobs. Many families decided to move back to the r- more rural areas hoping to just have an easier time there. But uh, as again, those of you who've been there know we've always fed children meals at school. This just shows a delivery of some food from an organization called Soul Food. They collect uh, food which is reached the sell by date you know, in the bigger stores in Johannesburg and further afield and then bring it down to us. Um, recently, a Swedish company at Muskoka have become involved with us. They facilitate the um, presentation of tunnels To projects or schools like ours. So they've given us three tunnels. They're not hydroponic. We have to water properly, but they do protect the plants from sun and birds and things like that. So we're able to produce a large amount of the food which we require to feed the children at the moment. Um, And we try and involve the children in that planting. Uh, exercise as well to help them to get an understanding of things agricultural. Um, that's another view of the school as it is now. Uh, oh, I'll keep on going to that. <laughs> now you can see why I'm <laughs> Can you make go back to where it was, please, Evans? This way, okay, are There
0: we are. Thank
1: you. Um, that gives you a better idea of the primary school in our buildings. We've basically gone for a format where we built classrooms in a kind of a square shape, so two, two, two with a quad in the middle. Our first square is complete so eight classrooms the second one will never be complete because um we've got a borehole sunk just where one of the legs should actually be and i can't do anything about it. we need the water so there we are then here we are <clears throat> um Classroom, 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 classroom. We've got a Reggio playground over here for the children. Pre-primers up there, the halls some over there, and offices, the chapels over there. And this is a labyrinth, uh, a prayer labyrinth, which I was very grateful to receive. Let me go back to my We had, so many amazing people and organizations have come on board over the years, you know, offering whatever they're able to offer. Uh, There is a school, it's an Anglican school in Santon called St. Peter's College. And while we were still busy building classrooms and also while we were busy trying to restore that whole building and get it completed, St. Peter's came on board with us in terms of uh, a project that they'd started just before the end of the academic year. Their grade 11s uh, would come to Kwasa to give assistance with building, with whatever we were busy doing at that time. And six years ago now, it was, because I think it was, it, I know it was, the last year I was here, 29, 17, mm-hmm. uh, My husband Don had died on the Saturday, and on the Monday, St. Peter's College, and there were about 72 of their students who'd come with teachers, wanting to be involved and where can they help, and it was such a traumatic and such an emotional time for me because the bishop at first said he would do Don's funeral, and then he said he couldn't, he had to go away, so I had to officiate at his funeral, plus try and do my own Grieving and mourning, and occupy all these people, and they felt so deeply for me. And was there anything extra that I wanted? And so together we thought of this prayer labyrinth as being something that could be there forever, something for me and children and staff and so on to you know use. And also, it's the place where um, Don's ashes now rest, and that's really good for me because, as most of you would know, he supported me wholeheartedly, although he was beyond sort of being actively involved towards the end of his life. So that's a prayer labyrinth, just to the north of the chapel. Um, I thought I'd put that picture in because those of you who've been to South Africa or were around last year would remember my youngest son, Michael John, and his now wife, Sonia, and my two youngest grandchildren. The oldest one is Hannah, and the little one is just turned a year old, and she is Olivia. Um, Michael uh, Sonia is actually the head of the pre-primary school, and Michael John has always been at my side and part of the development of CASA. Um He is a director now because we are what we call an NPC, a non-profit company, as so well as being a school, and he's a director on that company. He's also a charted accountant, so he prepares all our accounts for presentation at board and for auditing. So they all send lots of love and say hello to everybody. Thank you. you. Um, In our chapel we have a constant reminder of you, the people of St. John. Oh, no. The banner, the bottom banner, was the banner which was made in the Sunday School. Uh, and the very first time I came, it was presented to me at the service, the 11 o'clock service. Holly and Abbott at that time were in the Sunday School and I think, and you too, Nancy, I seem to think, and you helped in the making of it. It's, it was so good to receive it, and for those of you that can't see, on this side are, you know, Washington things like um, Apple Blossom, St. John's Church, um, Eagles, uh, Washington Monument, etc. And on that side, things South Africa now, South African flag, buck, and whatever else. And for me, most significant is that between those two pictures, as it were, on the banner, is a dove, which we all know would signify for us God's Holy Spirit. And that, I make sure all our children understand it, and every visitor that comes I explain about it, that I believe. And when I think back of the discernment process that St. John went through to decide upon which project you were going to support, it was a very prayerful project or discernment that happened. You came, you looked, you saw, and then you came back here and you hopefully prayed, I think you prayed, and then felt moved to select Kwasa and really, you know, God's love, God's provision through you and through our combined effort and what we've been able to accomplish together. For the children in that little settlement that you saw there, those who you should see over you know, the reception after the 11 o'clock service, um, has been life-giving, profound. And remember, I just bring two children. At the stage there are hundreds of children who have gone through Kwasa. There are still hundreds, thousands of children who potentially will need in the future what Kwasa can offer, which is, I believe, love of a special kind. I believe there's security, there's um, there's hope, there's light, all those things uh, that our emblems talks of. But it's still God's spirit who binds us together and just know that you are praying for daily and once again know that just being here with you all um, is just so hard for me, just amazing. Some figures. <coughs> Um, I think they're self-explanatory. I'm going to get a crick in my neck if I continue to do this. Uh, Pre-primary school, 132 learners, primary school, so many. We have staff of 43, obviously most of whom are teachers in the pre-primary school and primary school. We have started a program of learnership, as it were, taking on uh, interns, interns whose study fees cost a pay, but the interns sign a contract which says that when they finish their studies they will remain with us and complement our staff for three years after this, um, and interns are not really even responsible for teaching as such, they're there to watch, to learn, and in the classrooms To help, to act as assistants. But it's a very symbiotic relationship. We all benefit. And we have a number of interns at the moment, which is wonderful. It's also wonderful because um, they're young, you know. (laughs) it's so good for the kids to have young people around. Um, I am the rector of this Sonia and Benita, two heads, teachers, 23. We've got three admin people, our drivers who still have to fetch our children because it's not safe for them to walk and many of them live quite far away, security and general staff. be <coughs> the people who clean and who do our gardens, etc. So, there are no words there are no words which adequately can describe my and our gratitude to you. Um, I've said it many times and I say it again, for your stickability, for your loyalty, for your friendship, for your prayers, um, and for the tangible ways in which you help us, um, just thank you. And I really hope that yeah, if you've got any questions, you can ask them now quickly. Have we still got a bit of time?
0: We have time for a couple of questions. but um, you are going to be able, around after the left service to be able to answer questions? The reception. That's five
1: minutes. Here, reception. We still got five minutes. Five minutes for questions. Uh, almost the questions. So. <laughs> are there any kids at your school with disabilities? And if so, how are they doing? In... Well, there are children who have like learning problems for that for many and okay. we do work very carefully and put them in the primary school, Mrs. Berger does as well as that, assess them, um, have them then directed through the department to schools where they get kind of tuition and help that they need. Okay. Cool. Um, actual physical disabilities we have had in the past, at the present moment we have another but
0: we show the same kind of love and support to everybody. So, regarding groceries and scholarships and tuition, how do the children
1: pay for their, their time? Just okay, up. let me use the mic for this. Um, okay, uh, when I started the high school, or let me start further. The pre primary school, I had to register to the school with the Department of Social Development. And the Department of Social Development gives A grant, proportional to the number of children in the school, every quarter, Um, it's a requirement. They are very strict about how you use that money, and 40% of that money has to go on nutrition. Um, Which I can understand, but in our context, when we've made other plans for feeding, you know, like we've got soul food, help us, and we grow our own vegetables. It's very, very limited, limiting. Um, teacher salaries, I can only spend 25% of the money on teacher salaries, which is not nearly what we need to do it. Resources, educational resources, can only spend 4% of their grant to us on resources. So it's it's not balanced, but I don't speak too loudly because without that... We couldn't function, so we rely on school fees to a large degree. We are what is called a low fee paying independent school, but we're not independent entirely. In the primary school, we have to be registered with the Department of Education, because they want to regulate curriculum, you know, and, 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 Um, but we are not allowed to charge anything more than... In our pre-primary school, at the moment, for our two grade R classes, we charge 600 rand a month. uh, And down below, the smaller little kids, 450 rand. In the primary school, across the board, the fee is 750 rand per month. Now, I can't convert. People have told me how much that is, but I can't. It's roughly
0: $40 a month, $180, $500 a year.
1: Okay, thank you. Abbott is the the expert. Um, I can't give you the exact percentage, but it is very high. It's above 70% of our parents cannot afford school fees. Um, We try and encourage them to make a contribution, however small, and some of them do. And many of them sacrifice, I know, quite a lot, you know, to... Do that, but I think I can count on probably two hands the number of parents who can afford those fees for the entire year. You know, in other words, pay January to December for their children. The non fee payment is extremely large. So, um, one of our core activities, and really it's largely my responsibility as rector is to keep the children in school, given the fact that most of the school fees are not paid for. So the scholarships which you are able to provide, you know, which anybody can provide, are life-giving to them, to the children, and obviously to us. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. Abbott's the man that knows all about that. <laughs>
0: channel the money to to, um, to Sharon. So you can see me, Kay, Holly, Ziggy, but thank you so much for, for speaking with us, joining us. Mm-hmm. And after the reception, after the service reception, Sharon will be here to answer any further questions. Thank you.